Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor and we talk about movies on this show. Older movies, this is not our new movie show, we have 1.21 gigawatts where we do new cinema releases, that kind of thing. Well, not necessarily cinema, obviously VOD stuff and things, direct video, stuff like that. New stuff. Stuff that's fresh. This is our show where we go back to the past and we talk about movies that are either classics, hidden gems, or in some cases just goofy B-movies that we want to watch. And sometimes we're revisiting stuff, sometimes we're watching it for the first time. And this is a mix, this one, because I've seen this movie before. Connor has not seen this movie before. We are going to be talking about Orson Welles' A Touch of Evil uh, from 1958. And this one is uh, obviously a classic, it's very well known. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, and also full disclosure, uh, we watched the reconstructed version, uh, yes. the superior cut. I have never actually seen the theatrical cut myself, uh, mainly because everything I've heard about it makes me not want to. <laughs> Maybe one day as an experiment, we'll we'll yeah. go and watch that. Yeah, uh, but so we watched the 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 other cut, the the newer cut, and yeah, we're going to talk about it. We. I guess we'll well we start spoiler free for a little bit. Give give some general thoughts and then yeah, can do. give a warning before we go into the into the, the real plot details. Yeah, I think I think why not. So I, I guess first questions first. Connor, did you yes. enjoy Touch of Evil? Very much. I thought it was excellent. Good. That's con- the, the the right answer. This, I assume this conversation will flow much better then because <laughs> it could, could have been very. Confrontational. There, there is always a concern when one person has seen something, and, and you know, it's like, hmm, do, will they enjoy this or not? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I like it a lot as well. I, I think first and foremost, I think the direction. Oh, no, obviously, Orson Welles is both the director and he's in the movie. He plays yeah. uh, uh, Quinlan, the corrupt detective uh, captain, police captain, who is the sort of the villain of the movie. Uh, and he's, he gives a great performance actually as well yeah. on top of that but his direction the camera work the way the scenes are paced and the way they flow is it's, the star of this, this movie it, it's there right from the opening that like three-ish minutes just on the street at the, the start yeah. yeah one giant take now I don't want to set this in stone because admittedly it's been a long time since I've heard anything about it but the one thing I do remember about the the theatrical cut that's the specific obviously I think it's a good bit shorter, so obviously lots of stuff was taken out. But the one specific thing that I think I remember correctly is that that opening one-er is not a one-er in the theatrical cut. It's cut up. All right, okay. See, I, I know I had a, a lecture on some of the stuff of, in this couple of years back, and they never mentioned there wasn't a one-er, but they did say the credits, instead of being at the end, as where in the time period, mm. you know, they were traditionally at the start, they were superimposed over the top of that. Right, okay. So you so you weren't actually get, entirely I, paying attention to the. It's the been scene. a while, so I could be misremembering that fact. <laughs> I don't want to point that yeah. out. I'm, I'm going on memory, but I, I think it's quite clear that if if not that shot, certainly stuff like that went on because there's a message at the start of the the, the print. It's like yeah. a message from Orson, or not from Orson Welles, but as a quote of Orson Welles, he had, he wrote a message to the studio at the time because they forced him to shoot more stuff and they re-edited it all into what they wanted. And that's why we have this reconstructed version. It was after the time of his death. Uh, film historians or whoever put this together based on what the original version was supposed to be, uh, based on his notes. Uh, but yeah, he, they said it was a 58-page memo that he sent them. Yeah, and you know you've upset your director when he sends you a 58-page memo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm not sure that's classed as a memo anymore. 
It's it's basically a novel at that point. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's at least a short story. Uh, but no, so and I think the quote I, I don't have it in front of me, but the quote was something like, uh, "Reconsider because uh, this is a a moving sort of." The, the flow of visuals is a big part of this movie and it's seemingly the theatrical cut ruined that it took yeah. away that flow the pacing the, the way it was shot and the way they all interconnected and I think that really is, it's shocking to me that it was like that for a long time because that is the star of this film there's all yeah, good you stuff about it you can't imagine it any other way can you but it's gorgeous it's gorgeous there's so much like every time you see Quinlan I don't there's maybe like one or two shots in the entire movie where he's not shot at a really low angle so he looks imposing he looks mean, he looks big, he's taking up the frame. He's, he's always wearing the hat, which is, you know, like, adds a little bit extra on the top. Yeah, and he always, he's just domineering. It's like the character himself who comes in and just, he talks over people. That's something that happens a lot in this movie, is he talk people are trying to dispute with them, and he talks right over the top of them. And he's a big dude as well, like, he's obviously, there's a lot yeah. of prosthetics going on. Yeah, uh... I don't know, Orson Welles might have been put on a few pounds by this point in his life. <laughs> well, maybe. I thought it was a bit later than that. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, he is big. Uh, they probably are making him look bigger than he actually is because he's... Yeah. But he, he, he he's just great. But like everything... And the other thing they do with this as well is whenever they're indoors, this is something I was noticing a lot in this viewing, is not only are they shooting a lot of the stuff at low angles... Uh, and not just with him, some of the other villainous characters also get a lot of low angles, but him especially, and he fills the frame more than any. But I was also noticing whenever they're indoors, and this was creating a really unique mood to this movie, and this is something you don't see a lot of in movies, actually, is they were all lit from the bottom. Yeah. And, and, and indoors, it was kind of like, there's no like house lights on, and by house lights, uh, that's just a common term used for... Uh, obviously, if you're in a house, it's literally the house lights that are on the ceiling. But even like a, a studio, you refer to as the the main lights, the light things, as the house lights, and usually turn them off if you're filming, kind of thing. Uh, but in this case, I'm using it to mean lights from above. You're emanating the fact that in most cases, in real life, most light comes from the top. Yes. Right. In most cases, but of it's, course, you, you it's ha- generally what you're used to seeing. Yeah. But obviously, you also have lamps and stuff on desks, and sometimes if you've got a moody or lighting, your your lights more lower down. And this movie uses that a lot, where it's you see the shadows on the walls behind them going up the way, and you very rarely see that in uh, movies. They, they try, yeah. they tend to avoid it, uh, but here it's used as a style. It's like it's very consistent throughout. You get this whenever they're indoors, you get these big imposing shadows, and it's especially works well with Thorson Wells because you see the shadow of the hat. It's this, you know, yeah, it's yeah. the big shadowy version of him behind them, which just makes them even more imposing. Yeah, it's, it's just like it adds an extra thing to to. He's like you say, he's already big and imposing, but then yeah. there's this shadow that's on top of it that makes him even bigger. Yeah, so nah, it's really great. The visual still through. There's a lot of camera movement. There's a lot of, and of course, this is Orson Welles. This is the guy who invented a lot of camera techniques uh, previously. You know, in Citizen Kane and all that kind of time beard. But uh, no, nah, the camera feels like it's constantly flowing. It's constantly like any time there's people outside moving, it feels like yeah. the camera's doing something interesting. Yeah, like the the bit towards the end on the bridge, the camera is just never still. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, because the Heston's sneaking around down below. They're up top, and the camera's always moving. And we mentioned the opening shot where it is just this shot. That, and what I like about that that oneer as well, it's not even just a simple. And this is not to downplay like other good oneers. Like obviously, like the shot in Old Boy is fantastic, right? The, yeah. the one shot fight scene. But you could you could argue, okay, but from a filming perspective, it's really simple because it's just left to right. There's no. Whereas yeah. this is something that starts up in a close-up, uh, specifically, it's the opening shot, so this isn't a spoiler, but it opens in a like a bomb being set. Mm. 
And then the camera follows the person with the bomb to the car, and then it pulls back up to this big, big wide shot. And you see the car go from one street to another. And as it comes down the other street, the camera goes back down into it. Uh, yeah, it, it, really couple, it, it goes out of the couple actually instead, and then the car comes past them. But same difference. Like it, yeah. it goes back down into the action, and then pulls back again. It, it, it's just it's very. I can't imagine the logistics of like setting this the shot up. No, because it's it's not a small distance either, is it? It's no. like, it's quite a while that that car moves. Yeah, because once to get to the, the the street that it pulls into with uh, Heston and his wife uh, and uh, Janet Lee, uh, who I, I I knew originally from Psycho. So this was like when I watched this for the first time, I was like, oh, I've now seen Janet Lee in two movies. That's <laughs> nice. Uh, but they're walking down the street and they're walking for a while. They're talking and they're constantly dodging traffic and stuff it's you have that weird kind of saturday night kind of feel where the town's busy and people are just walking out all, all over the place kind of feel to it uh, and it sets up the idea that this is on the border between mexico and the u.s because there's like the the crossing guard kind of thing yeah uh, the border patrol ch- checking ids and stuff um which i suppose actually kind of leads to the one weird criticism mm. you can give to this movie uh is that we do have charlton heston playing a mexican yeah, and obviously that's something that now is 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 just a no. Yeah, it's just a no. And it, I mean, I, I think the one thing, is, and this doesn't excuse it, but I think the one thing it has going for it is it's, the character isn't in any way a stereotype or a parody or because another, I've not seen this, I've not seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, but Breakfast at Tiffany's has a character in it who is Asian, and it's played by a white guy, and it's nothing but the the worst possible thing you think it is. Yeah, this if if it didn't tell you he was Mexican, it's that it's actually kind of confusing. That's the first when you're watching it because you don't because he he mentions that on his side of the border and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, and he, he doesn't have an accent. Either. Yeah, he doesn't He's have not an, got accent. an accent on, which is kind of throws it off a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And if they've got him in makeup to make him look more Mexican, it's in black and white, so you you can't really. Yeah, tell. you can kind of see it a little bit, but well, yeah, but not by much. It's. Yeah, and black it is, and white. It is obvious. weird at first, like you say, but it's one of those things that's it's of the time, and yeah, it's, it's it's weird now. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, I, I don't like that I've got Charlton Heston playing playing a Mexican. It's weird and it's insensitive and it's no, don't. Uh, but it's this weird thing. It's like okay, yes, I would rather if, if the point of the story is that this character's Mexican, I'd rather him be Mexican, play by a Mexican actor. But it's this weird middle ground now where this movie like is so old where I can't imagine anyone but Charlton Heston being the actor in the movie. It's this weird thing because it's it so old. Is, it is one of those things where, like you say, it's so old you kind of just have to accept that this is how it was and kind of just go with it. It's hard to really hold it against it because of that's just how it was at the time. Not that that's okay, but we can't yeah. change that. No, no, you can't change it. I, I think... It's kind of the thing where if the rest of the movie was bad, we'd quite happily just let it sink into like for the forgotten realm. But the yeah. problem is, is the rest of the movie's not bad. The rest of the movie's exceptional. Exactly. <laughs> so it's it's kind of one of those things where every so often I forget about that. And I, you know, when I watched it, and I thought, oh yeah, he's played a Mexican. Oh yeah, that's weird. Uh, yeah. Mm. But that that is the one, honestly, yeah. one major complaint. The, it I, is. I, th- I think there's very little else you could fault. Uh, thought about it. So he, he of course, is married to an American woman, uh, played by Janet Lee. They're newlyweds, and 
she she's a big part of the movie as well uh, and the other sort of backstory that's set up is that he he works on the, the mexican side of the border as a, an agent and he's just had this big narcotics bust he's put this big guy away uh, part of the grande family uh, and his trial's coming up so another main character we have we never see that that guy he's put away but his brother who's like the last family member like high ranking who's around in mexico is out to get him but you can't just kill him because if he kills him then it's obvious like a, a case of retribution for putting him away and it makes as he keeps saying throughout the movie if I, if he dies my brother's just as good as gone like he's he's incarcerated for life or he's sent to the yeah. chair whatever he's got to be smart about it yeah which is why he, he goes around this path of uh, trying to torment his wife and sort of discredit them rather than just outright yeah. killing and whatever smart. else yeah <laughs> i guess uh and obviously we have this car bomb that goes off, but it goes off after it crosses the border, which makes it murky because then it's like, well, it's both jurisdictions. It's yeah. not just the one because the crime technically happened in Mexico, but the person died in the US. And we have yeah. this thing with the American detective played by Orson Welles, who's Quinlan with uh, Charlton Heston's character, uh, Vargas, and it sets them off. And it's funny, I think at this, the, the first like 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the movie, I think if you've not if you don't know what the plot is of the movie, you're thinking, oh, it's about in- investigating this this bombing. Who's behind it? And it's not. It very much seems like they're this antagonistic yeah. partnership at first. Yeah, it's not about that at all. It's about it's about Vargas noticing that Quinlan's a corrupt cop and it's yeah. dirty and plants evidence, and that's what the actual plot of the movie is. It's about their back and forth, and it's about them yeah. and the other players are there to sort of aid that plot. And it, uh, but it's actually a very well told story. Oh, it is absolutely uh, very suspenseful. Uh, I, I I think even from the the sort of the younger guy in the 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 Grandy family, you know, the guy in the leather jacket, uh, mm. Mexican Elvis, as I was sort of thinking to myself every time I seen him. Mm. Uh, like right from the get go, when he comes on the screen, you he feels intimidating, and you know he's yeah. out to do something bad. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just so obvious the whole time. Like there's it, not subtle in that, even though it's. It's clever in how it shows at you, but it's not subtle in what it's telling you. It's kind of it's kind of a masterclass in that way. The movie, in terms of like, it's not subtle, but it's 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 obvious because it's been really well told. Yeah, like everything about the way the camera is, the way the lighting is, the way the demeanors on the characters' faces, everything about it is telling you pieces of information. Yeah, it's it's obviously sometimes being unsubtle is a, a criticism because they're just being obvious. But in here, it's not that they're just telling you information and going, oh, this is why it's unsubtle. Well, it's showing you in such yeah. clever ways. I think that's what that's important. It's not just telling you. In fact, very yeah. rarely does it just tell you something. If ever, yeah. Yeah, it, it shows you things. It shows you... Because obviously the, the way Vargas finds out that he's planted evidence is because he already, we already seen him knock over the box that then he claimed the evidence was in. Like, And yeah. we know as soon as he comes in and he says, oh, it was in this box, he's like, and we know, same as him, that's been planted. That was yeah. not there before, and it puts us in the same boat as our main character Vargas, which is really smart. It makes us connect to him because we both know the same information. Yeah. Uh, so no, uh, really, really good, really suspenseful. Uh, uh, yeah, but without talking about more plot, I, th- I think that's uh, just uh, yeah. I just uh, I noticed there was virtually no score whatsoever. Almost all of it, if not all of it, was entirely music that was within the scene. Uh, yeah, you're right, I think. But it, it, it gets used very effectively. 
Yeah, which it also means there's long moments of just silence because it's because there's nothing playing anywhere. I can appreciate that. Like, see, yeah. see if a director can withhold my attention without music. Mm. It's something a lot of European movies still do, is where they'll have almost no score. Yeah. And it's it's very impressive if they can keep it engaging without. If you can make the awkward silence work for you and make it... Yeah, uh, it is a challenge. You've got to know exactly what you're doing, because the music can just cover things up. It's a, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card, almost, at times. Yeah. If, you, if you're not good enough. Uh, but obviously we're talking about Orson Welles here, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, who knows what he's doing? Uh, even if the studio didn't agree didn't, yeah. with, with that sentiment. Oh, dear. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's it's a very, very dark film. The, the title is earned. Like, there is real evil that goes on in this movie. It's, you know, Quinlan's character does become proper sadistic in his actions. Yeah. Uh, mm. But at the same time, it isn't just completely black and white either. There is some shades of grey in there. It gives you something to chew on just a little bit as well. It's it's like I say, he is essentially evil by the end, but he's still a person. He doesn't. He's never a caricature of just the villain. He's he's still got a personality and a character to him. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I don't mean to go in the spoiler wall now, just so we can yeah. get into things. So full spoilers from this point on for Touch of Evil. So. Yeah, I, I think his character is really... Because obviously he is super evil. I, th- I think at the point when you realise that he's... It's, it's when he turns around, it's when he's accused of planting the evidence, right? And Vargas tries to tell the other Americans, and they're like... One of them is, but most of them, including his partner, are not having it. Like, no, he would never do this. This is... You're talking out your ass. This is nonsense. But he's like, I know what I saw. I did this. I, I'm not lying to you. I've got... You know, some cops look at all these files. Yeah, take 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 brave. Some cops plant evidence, even if they think they're doing it for the right reasons. Because the, the point out that the Quinlan's put a lot of people away, yeah, in the past, and all all this evidence, which it looks like he always does the same thing. It looks like he always plants it himself, and then lets his partner, who's not in the fact that it's planted, find it. Yeah, making it Smart. feel more real. Yeah, uh, which also makes his partner very loyal to him. Yeah, because he doesn't realize. Yeah, he's willing to defend him, but. It, it's like, yeah, well, think about it. You, you're always the one who finds it. There might be a reason for that. Uh, but, like, so so you set up this whole idea, but there's this neat little twist at the end, because he, he's, he's planting this crime, this bombing on this guy, Sanchez, and he plants this evidence, and throughout the movie, we almost forget that's going on. We see a couple of scenes where they, they mention they're interrogating him back at the police station, but that's about yeah. it. We don't really... And at the end of the movie, after they catch Quinlan, and they get him on tape, admitting to wrongdoing, and they, they catch him, and the, the whole showdown goes down, we hear that, oh, that guy did eventually admit, by the way, he was guilty. Yeah. And I, I really like that twist, that little, just that little wrench in there that says, okay, obviously what he was doing was wrong. He was being downright evil. He was he was trying to set up Vargas and his wife as drug addicts. He was trying to plant evidence. He was trying to pin a murder on them. He was going to some evil lens to, like, not be caught. So he is evil. Hence yes. the title, A Touch of Evil. But he was still good at his job, oddly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know if it's him that says it or, or his partner that says it. Like, like everyone who goes away from this, that he's manipulated the evidence, they all did deserve to be, you know, put away. They were all essentially like that. They were the bad people. That even if they weren't necessarily going away for the, the exact I, I, I thing the word, that they caught on. I think the word "guilty" for Connor is guilty. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, but no, but that's yeah. the thing. They're not necessarily guilty of this particular crime. But it's they they, oh, they are yeah. deserving of of the punishment regardless. Oh, well, to be fair, it did sound like most of the times it was the particular crime. It sounded like he was planting the evidence that said 
No, you yeah, did yeah. this thing. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I, I think that's I think it's just an interesting little wrench because he, obviously he's still the villain. I, I don't think it gives you sympathy for him by any means. I think no, it just it's... it just adds a little bit of depth that says he okay he was actually still right. He was still he, he's a cop who he, he was as, as the character says he was a good detective but a terrible cop. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that's kind of like had someone else been like supervising him and not let him go unchecked maybe he could have been a, an ally to because he could have sniffed things out and then let someone who actually plays by the rules do the, the find, actual find the actual work yeah yeah do the actual work but he he i i, I like that, that twist on it there's that some somewhere along the way there was a good detective in there or and they mentioned that he's not been the same since his wife died and his wife got strangled and he's like okay maybe that was the maybe he wasn't as bad before then maybe that's what set him down this path of evil like there was yeah, I like the idea because it keeps talking about how his wife was strangled and there wasn't the, the evidence and proof of things like this because there just wasn't that around at the time. So it's like, well, after that, it's he knows these people are deserving of going away, but what can he do? So he makes sure there's proof. Exactly. Every time. It's, it, yeah. it really always comes back to that for him with the strangulation and obviously that comes up a few times. Yeah, but of of course it's not right either, and the, the other characters right. point that out. And you've got Vargas who's doing this by the book, but it, I think it's almost an interesting contrast that he is just married. He still has his wife. It's a big, obviously she's on jeopardy a lot of the time uh, yeah. in this movie. Like they they target her because of him, uh, and I, I think that's the ultimate like corruption of of Quinlan, like his character, like where he really becomes evil because he's essentially doing. He's going after this man's wife is what happened to him. Like it's almost yeah. like he is. It's almost like why he finally goes on that binge again because they mentioned that he used to drink. He was an alcoholic, but he's he's been off it for a while. He's been in the candy bars as they keep yeah. bringing up. But he does go on that bender again, and at the end he is a complete wreck. He's completely drunk. And there's, there's that moment I really like where the guy comes in and says, "Oh, we'll get you, get you something to drink." And he's like, "I don't drink," and then he looks down and realizes that he's already he's, he's already drinking. drinking. Yeah, he, he kind of pauses mid sentence and realizes like like he hasn't even noticed. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good. Uh, but no, I I like that. I like that his character has this much you can read into, and you can if you want him to just be like a, a two dimensional villain. I think the movie still works like that. If you want to just if you want to think about it, you just want to enjoy it for the suspense and the camera work. I th- think it works like that. Yeah, sure. But I, I think if you're looking for a bit more there, there is there's themes in there. There's things about his character that make him a lot a lot more interesting. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that make it more interesting a film for me. Like obviously. They say it's suspenseful. It's it's gorgeous. Those alone are enough. But then you have these interesting characters that are more than just caricatures of the the stereotypes that they usually are in these sorts of films. That makes it you know stand out. Yeah, even even Janet Lee, who is kind of the damsel, for, yeah. for, for to a large extent, even she's she's shown shown to be quite sort of strong. She she argues she she goes with uh, Grandy at the start, and she has that little fighting match with him in his shop because she. He he's orchestrated for her to come there and sets up their plot, but she she kind of tries to put up a, a little fight and she she's got a little bit more going for her. I mean, she is ultimately still a damsel for the main plot. Yeah, but uh, generally, he's good in the role at least. Like we have, we have good actors, kind of spread. Uh, yeah, exactly. The movie. Uh, and obviously, Orson Welles does kind of steal the show because he is such a he's he, his performance is really weird because, like I said, he talks over people. He Whenever someone says anything that he disagrees with, he like just talks over them. He he brute forces them out. He's like this again, this intimidating, 
like taking up the entire screen personality where he shuts everyone else down. Yeah, it's 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 also something I find really interesting. Like you say, he is this big, ma- imposing guy. He he's always commands a scene, but he has a limp, which is almost like a a weakness, almost. Hmm. Which I think is really interesting because it's like you just see him walk, and he's you know he's not keeping up with everyone else. He's he's limping, and it's like yeah, but he's still even with that, he's still towering over everyone and commanding them. Which is actually how we uh, we flip the partner. He like we set this idea up that he sometimes forgets his cane. He leaves it by. Yeah, uh, and he does that at the murder scene. Like he kills uh, Grandy to set up the wife to set up uh, Janet Lee's character, and he leaves it by. And it's, it's the partner actually flips because the, the partner is an honest cop, and when he learns that, oh, maybe maybe he is guilty of these things. Maybe he is, you know, one step too far over that line. Yeah, and he helps. I mean, he ends up paying for it, but he helps. He helps Heston. He sets up the final sequence of the movie. Yeah. Which is this bugging sequence where Heston has to stay in range with this. This is, of course, where like, the technology feels really dated. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he's got this giant radio thing and he's trying to like follow and he has to like. And I, I love this. They're at like this oil pump sort of uh, area and Heston's like ducking and diving up, uh, un- under what? the bars. And... The, the, the bit where it looks at the oil pump is one of my favourite bits because it, it looks up at the oil pump and it follows it up and down with the camera. Hmm. And normally it just do that once. But it does it like three, maybe four times, just up and down, up and down. No, nothing else is going on. You're just following this oil pump for a minute. And it's just, it really just shows you this, it takes its time to just set the scene. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, again, it's the camera just moving. It, it could just stay still and watch the oil pump, but no, it moves with it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's moments like that that make this movie. It's those, yeah. those little details in the camera work that just put it above and beyond. Uh, but no, there's, it's almost like I always feel like the, the movie's given given me all I need need at this point, but it gives me this one last final sort of chase sequence, if you will, where Heston has to keep up with him to keep the, the recording yeah. recording, and he's ducking and diving, he's getting in the water, and then there's that that moment where he's under the bridge and it's like causing an echo because it's playing out loud, and yeah. and Quinlan's hearing himself back and he, he sort of pieces things together. Yeah, you can uh, see for a minute questioning if it's just an echo, and then mm-hmm. then it's like, nah, he's too smart for that. And he's like. You look nervous. <laughs> Why yeah. are you looking nervous? Yeah. But no, uh, it's, oh, it's, it's a fantastic film. It's, it is. It, 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 imagine cutting out, like, however long... The, I'm actually going to check. You, you answer the question <laughs> while I check exactly how much of a time difference it, it, it is hard to imagine anything being cut out, really, or, or what you change, because so much of it is just flows so naturally and i mean that is the flow of it it's the camera it never stops and where do you edit this that stops it feeling jumpy even before you take out any actual character or plot or whatever like that just the actual flow of the camera 15 minutes is the answer 15 minutes and you know it's it's less than two hours anyway yeah it's an uh yeah 111 right so that's it's a fair chunk yeah, no, it is. It's, and I, I think the pacing and the flow, as we've, as we've mentioned, is a big part of this movie. So yeah, you interrupt that, you you take things out, and it's, you. It's crazy to imagine it any other way. Else. Yeah, it, it's baffling. But I, I'm glad I saw this first. I'm glad I was born at a time when I, by the time I was watching classic movies, that's it already was available to you yeah. in this format. Yeah, because if you'd watched this before 1998, you were stuck with the theatrical cut. Right, pretty much. The original version, which would suck for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But well, that, what can you do? 
Uh, so some other uh, scenes I want to point out because I love that how s- sometimes this will just like have a scene and it'll, the scene will last for quite a long time. There's like there's like I don't know like five scenes in this movie that take up a lot of screen time. Yeah. Uh, one of them is the the sort of setup of the wife and the murder, which is one of the times we mentioned how the music how the music in the scene was used and there's, there's like Congo drums going on outside the building. But as the murders happening, the Congo drums are getting louder and louder. Yeah, it's really effective. Yeah. Neat little touch there. Uh, obviously, the opening's a nice big long scene. The scene, it's kind of split up because uh, Heston leaves the house to go make a phone call, but the scene where the whole, the planting of the evidence happens. Yeah. And even, even before we get to the planting of the evidence, there's, there's this weird divide where the authority between the two characters is challenging each other because we're, in a, we're on American soil. It's 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 Quinlan's, Quinlan's game, as it were. Uh, but this, this Sanchez guy is obviously Mexican. He's speaking Spanish. Heston speaks Spanish back to him. And uh, Quinlan gets pissed off about this. No, speak English. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, up to this point, this is before you really know what the movie is. And it kind of still feels like this antagonistic partnership at this mm. point still. And this is the scene that really kind of solidifies that just before it subverts it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you, also, I think before this point, you don't realise that the wife's in trouble again yet. You, you figure she probably will be because yeah, we're, we're still keeping you, track we're not of her. seeing anything. Yeah. Of it. It's not until that great moment where she she phones the like the the desk at the motel, and she talks on the phone for a bit, and then she hangs up, and then we, we cut to who's on the phone. And it's 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 Mexican Elvis, yeah, and he's like super intimidating. Yeah, uh, but, no, it is good because obviously she's just like, hey, I just just don't let anyone bother me, uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then you cut to it, and then then you have all his friends there, like uh, the same sort of thing. Yeah. It's it really works. Yeah, actually, another thing about Quinlan, I want to point out his character. I loved it when he is he was accused of this, like you know, when he goes out of the hotel room and he's with Heston's there, the Americans are there, and he's accused of this. He storms out. He's angry. He's been accused of it, even though he knows he's done it. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. plays the role perfectly, doesn't he? It was it was very uh, not quite the same, but have you ever seen a few good men? No. It reminded me a little bit. I mean, Jack Nicholson and that wasn't quite like this, but he he was accused of something and he's like claimed he wasn't doing it, but he was proud of doing it. When eventually, you know, you can't handle the truth. That, that, yeah, that's yeah. the moment where he admits that he did it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Not to spoil a few good men, but it's a pretty famous movie scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, it, it kind of gave me shades of that where he's like, he's so he's 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 proper offended. He's been accused of this, even though he knows he's done it. Yeah, but it's the idea that. It is almost that whole the pride where he's like he knows he's done it for the right reasons and he mm. he knows that well in his mind at least he's done it for the right reasons and he's done it to you know put the guilty away and he's like nah I'm not taking this I've done my job it is the yeah. way he takes it maybe yeah and even to the point the other people around him respect him so much they they, they almost ask Keston to to apologize. And yeah. he's like, would well, you want me to get down on my knees and apologise? Would that be good for you? And he's like, if you had any good mind, you would. You know, that's, like, <laughs> that's how much they're willing to go along with him. That's how much they respect him. And uh, yeah. it just does. It's, uh, yeah, it's a great film. I, I, can't, I can't compliment it enough. And it and also, it bears repeating, it is gorgeous. It's, it is. I, I had to pause it a couple of times too. I don't know, pee, I think, once, get a snack, the second, whatever. I had to pause it. And each time I paused it, I was like... I could make that a wallpaper. <laughs> like both, you know, both times I was like, I could, I could put that on a wall. I could frame that. I, I, I also had to pause it once to go to the toilet, and I, I kind of felt guilty for pausing it. It's like I've just interrupted mm. this this flow of this wherever it was. 
even obviously you wait till the end of a scene but even then it's just like i feel guilty for pausing it where i am i feel like not a lot of people do that i feel like we are maybe unique in that we do wait if we're going to pause something to go to the toilet or something we wait, wait to the, right the end moment. of the scene yeah. yeah we wait for a cut yeah yeah maybe we are odd in that sense we're but... a little bit pernickety in that sense but... but it feels like i'm insulting the flow of the movie just by pausing it for that where whereas normally i, I don't feel guilty about pausing if i, if I need to go to the toilet i'm gonna go you pause yeah. it no, no, I, that's, that's, that's one of the perks of watching a movie at home. But, exactly. Hmm. Uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I, I, like I say, I really like all the themes it plays with, the, the idea of, you know, is, who is guilty and, you know, what is it that justifies these things? And it kind of questions, was Quinlan right to do what he did? He, he, was he justified? Because like, obviously all these characters, they have what? such a respect for him and what he does. It's like, Do, is, was he right? It's becoming a bit of a joke to compare the movies that I'm talking about to Batman. But I'm going to, I'm going to go here, right? You know, Batman doesn't kill, and Batman doesn't kill because it says even if one is justifiable to an extent, and you cross that line, it makes the next time easier. Yeah. Right. I think what's happened here with Quinlan is that he did it because he believed it was right one time, and then it became and then a he thing. Realized it worked. Yeah, and it became easy, and he just yeah. kept doing it. And then he gets so consumed with like protecting himself that he started plotting to set up this married couple as drug addicts and murderers to keep yeah. his own reputation, to keep all that intact. Yeah. And it's just it's 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 it's, it's going down that path of evil. It's been tempted. It's the it easy is. way out. Even if it's for the right reasons, the easy way out is kind of evil. It's like it's almost like the devil tempting you. Yeah, and like I say, because he is kind of in the right for a lot of what he does, in the sense that he is get, he's targeting the right people most of the time, but he's just doing it in the wrong way, and that's ultimately what makes him evil. Yeah, uh, and to, again, compared to Batman, the reason why Batman isn't evil, right, it's not just because he doesn't cross that line. I mean, obviously people say, oh, he's not a cop, he's a vigilante. Sure, sure, he's working outside the law. But that's why he has an even stricter set of rules than the police do. He holds himself to a higher standard because if he doesn't, then that's what makes it wrong. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in real life people should go out and be Batman. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking <laughs> about movie characters here. Uh, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. uh, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Whereas he, he, Quinlan's having his cake and eating it too. Yeah, he, he kind of, once he's crossed that line, he realises I can do what I want. Yeah, and he just does what he has to to protect himself. Then at that point, he, he thinks he's judge, jury, and executioner, and any attempt to supersede that is he sees as an attack on him, and he has to defend yeah. himself. And it's no, it's a great character study. It really uh, is. So no, it's uh, riveting stuff, and uh, I, I think we're left with ratings. And I, I feel mm. like, uh, <laughs> what sort of number are you giving this out of ten? Uh, I'm thinking a nine. nine. It's it, you know stuff like Charlton Heston playing a Mexican. You know that's just, it just kind of drags it down a little bit, colours it just a little uh, bit too much. I agree. That's the uh, that is the one negative point. Uh, I gave it a nine originally. I think I'm going to stick with a nine. I was almost like the, the, the filmmaking when I was watching it this time was so good. I was like, oh, did I bump yeah. it to nine point five? Is that am I going that? And I'm like, nah. Heston's playing a Mexican. That docks a point. <laughs> it just it does, does dock a point. It docks a goddamn point, and which is a shame because. If if that wasn't the case, man, this this could easily be a ten. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, the filmmaking and everything else about it has it up there. It's just that one sore point has to just yeah. drag it down that one point. Yeah. But there you go. So touch of evil, uh, nines all round. 
So by all means, if you've not seen Touch of Evil, do it. Watch it. It's fantastic. It's a classic for a reason. Uh, just make sure you watch the restored cut, the 1998 cut. Uh, you have an option as well. Most of the versions come with both uh, the 185 and the like the full screen. So the wide screen and full screen, essentially. Because it was filmed to work for both. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was shown in theatres on widescreen, but it was shot with open matte so that they could, and they had it framed for both. So different movies did this. I know Terminator Two. This, this is a very different example, but Terminator Two did this thing where they framed it for both the the TV at the time because obviously TVs were all four by three, and they had like the two different ratios. So it wasn't always safe. Yeah, especially with Terminator Two, it wasn't like a. Sometimes you would get more on the sides in the widescreen, but sometimes you actually had more on the top and bottom for the full screen, just depending because they framed it for both. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I prefer the widescreen because it's the cinematic one. But the options there—if you're a purist and you think, "No, oh, I would rather have the the open matte four by 3 then you got the option. Uh, yeah. Most of the discs come with both. So, no, uh, let us know what you think of Touch of Evil in the comments below. Like and subscribe, all that stuff helps us out a lot. Get us on Twitter at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates, individual twitters. I'm at wibble eighty nine uh, to hear me ramble on. Connor's at Connor Ryan ninety four if you want to hear him ramble. I don't recommend. But thanks for watching, guys. Keep watching movies, and we will see you next time.